This is Emily. And this is Sarah. And this is Sisters Take a Side on the Murder of Lindsay Buziak. Hello. Hi, Sarah. Um, what did you just tell me off mic? Um, I asked you who Lindsay Buziak is. How have you never heard of this case? I don't know. That's a great question. Because it's got a lot of things you like. Hockey players. Ooh, a you know si- I love a, a good hockey player. A sister named Sarah. <laughs> okay. Also, fun fact, I'm just going to throw this in here. Um, One of the sources that I read today when I was researching this was written by a Charlie O'Brien. Okay, is this case related to us? Sarah, explain to the people why that's interesting. <laughs> um, Because we have several family members named... Indeed. Charlie that. O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> and that's neither one of our last names, so I feel fine saying that on the air. But yeah, isn't that weird? That is weird. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, wow. So I'm super excited to talk to you about this today. Um, housekeeping stuff for – can you stop yawning? I'm sorry. I just – it escaped me. Are you going to make it? Yes. It's winter or well, close to winter now, so I'm, my body's just hibernating. It's I know. Like, you, get, you get sad in the winter. We, wow. Okay. Well, you do. You do. I do. I just – I don't like cold weather. My yeah. body is just like – we've survived all summer. Mm-hmm. Thrived even. Some would say we've thrived. We've thrived. Okay. So now well, it's like take a nap. We'll perk it up a little. Okay. We got our money making podcast here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> our money making podcast. Our money making podcast. Um, if people would like to send us money for all of the wonderful work we do on this podcast, <laughs> they could um, send us an email. Yes. Sisters.take.a.side at gmail.com. Mm hmm. <gasps> or they could reach out to us on Instagram at sisterstakeaside underscore podcast. Correct. Very Great. good. Thank you so much. The energy you're bringing to this today is <laughs> not feeling it. I'm sorry. You My microphone up a little. just fell over. It did. I'm perky. Let's do this. Okay. Um, you ready? Here we go. Great. Let's do it. God, you're <laughs> mood. We're going to get through this and it's going to be bad because you're grumpy and we're going to have to redo it. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not grumpy. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Now, let's remember do the rules. Do not, inter- do not interrupt me during my intro. Okay. Okay. Take it away, girl. The floor is yours. <laughs> On February 2nd, 2008, Real estate agent Lindsay Buziak was about to close a deal that would make her career. As she prepared to show houses to a couple with a million-dollar budget, Lindsay rejected offers of help from colleagues and even her boyfriend, a real estate agent himself. She couldn't possibly guess what was waiting for her at 1702 de Sousa's place, and that the events of that evening would become one of the most infamous unsolved crimes in Canadian history. Ooh. I have heard about this. You've for sure heard of this. But I'll take you on a ride. Okay. Let's get into it. So who is, who's our girl, Lindsay? So Lindsay was a bright 24-year-old living in British Columbia who was described by friends and families as caring, funny, loving, like all the things, right? Mm-hmm. Well, side note, she also had a sister named Sarah. Um, loving that for her. Love that journey. I'm sure you can attest that uh, sister's name Sarah. But but it's Sarah without an age. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Forget it. Did not so, know Sarah. Lindsay, you know, she grew up and, and she decided she really wanted to be like a real estate agent, right? So she enrolled in the UBC Sanders School of Business Real Estate Trading Services Program. Wow. Which, all right, girl. That's intense. Um, And in June 2006, she passed her real estate exam and became one of only 20 real estate agents in Greater Victoria who was estimated to be under the age of 25. Okay, girl. Wow. Love that. Okay. Loving that for her. So she spent the next year and a half working for a real estate company called Maverick, um, which was doing like townhouse sales in West Shore. I I wonder if I'm saying that right. West Shore. It looks like it looks right. Well, I know, but it's Canada. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> Could be Westshire. I don't know. Um, but eventually, Lindsay joined Remax Camosun, which, again, Camosun? Thoughts and prayers to Emily on how to say that. Oh, my God. Um, and there she met Jason. <laughs> Help me. Oh and there God. she met Jason Zalio. Zalo. You think that's Zalo? There's an I there. Yeah. Okay. It's def- okay. Jason, Jason Zalo, a charming, handsome mortgage broker. Um, this same firm that Lindsay started working at also employed his mother, Shirley, and his brother, Ryan. So they were just like a family wow. of real estate agents. Yeah, I love that. Okay. So who is Jason, right? Let's – first of all, Sarah, I want you to Google him. I want you to Google Jason Zalio because I have a hunch about him and your reaction to him. Give it a goog. Do like image search. It should come right up. Hmm. Give me your initial thoughts. Hmm. <laughs> He immediately don't like his face. <laughs> Just immediately don't like his face. Stop it. He is your totally your type. No. Stop it. Yes. Yeah. Like fish off face. <laughs> immediately Jason, don't I'm sorry like him. For listening to this. Jason. 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 No. Like, Stop it. He was every guy you dated in your twenties. No. Okay. Revisionist history over here. Anyways, moving on. So. Who is Jason? Jason is a native of British Columbia and an ex-semi-professional hockey player, girl. Hey. I know you love that. <laughs> um, Jason was um, – he was primarily a mortgage broker, but he also had a real estate license on the side. Why can't I say that word today? License? License. Help me. Um, uh, girl. <laughs> I can't. There's, there's not so much I can do. There's not enough anything in the world to help me. Um, so he and Lindsay were in the same line of work and they really connected over, right, being real estate agents. Mm-hmm. So what I think is interesting is like not only did Jason really take a liking to Lindsay, but his mother, Shirley, like really took a liking to her as well, right? Hmm. So the Zalio family were really wealthy and were just like big players in the real estate scene, right? Okay. Um, Shirley especially. She was like top dog. Like if that show Millionaire Listing was a thing in 2008, like she would have been on it. Like she was that kind of woman. Mm-hmm. And she really treated Lindsay like a mentee, right? She took her under her wing, like yada, yada. So they're all working together and eventually Jason and Lindsay like really start a romantic relationship and they move in together in a condo owned by the Zalio family. I've pronounced it different every single time I've said it now. I would just go with Zalo. But there's no way it's Zalo. There's an I there. Google. I know, but the I Oh, the I, I, I don't have time to explain <laughs> English grammar to you. Would you like me to do like a Google Translate? No, I don't. Okay. Zalio. Okay. okay. Definitely not Zalio, but we'll okay. go with it. We'll go with it. Okay. <laughs> so now let's kind of like get into it, right? So we've got right. Jason, we've got Lindsay. So what happens here? Well, on Friday, February 1st, 2008, Lindsay received a cold call from a 778 area code number. Um, the caller, according to Lindsay, was a woman with a heavy accent who was interested in buying a home. Um, Lindsay later described this accent as Spanish or Mexican. Mm-hmm. So, it, and then other people describe it later as like broken English. So I, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to try to intimidate what this accent <laughs> might have been. But um, the caller was a woman um, and she provided a name, but we don't have any record of what name she gave to Lindsay. Like Lindsay was taking notes on this call, but didn't write down the woman's name. So yeah, I'm thinking maybe, on. yeah, or maybe she didn't understand her, right? Like, and she didn't want to be like, oh, can you repeat that? Like, I'm not really sure what's going mm-hmm. on there. But this caller explained that her husband had been transferred from Vancouver to Victoria and they needed a brand new $1 million home. Okay. Mm-hmm. That seems that oddly specific. Very specific and like it's so funny because like to me right now I'm like one minute that's nothing that's not a lot of money 
but I guess this is 2008 where like that actually was a lot of money for a house. Where yeah. Well, and like just... a housing crisis. Although if this is in Canada, I mean, who knows, but fucking Canada. We don't know. <laughs> we know nothing. So this caller told Lindsay that she wanted to meet at 5.30 p.m. the next evening. She wanted to tour some houses and she made it really clear she was going to purchase on the spot. Like she was a very motivated buyer. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Is it weird that they that the person buying the house reached out directly? Like, wouldn't it be realtor to realtor? You know, I never thought of that. Isn't that kind of odd? You're right. I think that is odd. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what Buziak thought was odd, actually, was that she thought it was really weird that this person called her to begin with, not because she wasn't a realtor, but because, she, like, Lindsay was a really new real estate agent. Like, she yeah. was, like, a baby real estate agent. And she even asked the woman, like, how did you, like, get my information? Like, Lindsay was not the one who was selling $1 million homes. Surely was, right? And mm. accounts differ on this. In some accounts I read, they say that the caller said, oh, my husband heard about you from a friend. And some other reports say that a former client of Lindsay's had referred her. So the caller said, oh, you know, Jane Smith, who you worked with before, referred you. Uh-huh. Right? So after hanging up, Lindsay saved the woman's phone number in her phone as million dollar, which I freaking love. Wow. Um, and she, like, immediately began looking at houses that she could show them. Uh-huh. Um, so... And this only thing is interesting. I read a bunch of different accounts of this. Some people, some colleagues say that she was really excited about this, that she was like, I'm, this is my big break. I'm going to sell a million dollar home, make a huge commission, yada, yada. Other people say she was really unnerved by the call, that she immediately, it immediately put up red flags for her. She thought it was really weird that this woman reached out to her, like all of that. So... I want to stop there and like having heard all of that, Mm -hmm. would that make you feel uneasy as a real estate agent? I think it would because I think I'd have a lot of questions. Like, I don't know who this person is. I'm Mm -hmm. so new at this. Like, it would just seem a little like, am I being tested here? Like, Mm -hmm. am I like, I feel like there's a lot of rule breaking that's happening, like, or like professional protocol that's being broken here. I think your point about like it not being real estate agent to real estate agent is really key. Yeah. I don't think you can just call up because what, and then also as a real estate agent, wouldn't your first thing be like, well, shit, this person just wants to buy a million dollar house. I want to be your agent. Like, let me like go out and work with, you know, well, but see, I think, let me be your buying agent. I think that might've been what the woman was, was saying. That she wanted to, like, quote-unquote, hire Lindsay to be their buyer's agent. Oh. But still. But still, that seems weird. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's it's odd to me. I would be unnerved if I were Brittany. Yeah. Okay. So sometime after that initial call, the phone that was used to call Lindsay um, traveled from Vancouver to Greater Victoria, right? So... That kind of tracked what the caller said. They lived in Vancouver, were moving to Victoria, yada, yada. But around that same time, Lindsay went about her plans for the evening. Um, She went for a walk. And she had, interestingly enough, she had dinner with Shirley Zalio. Zalio. How many ridiculous ways can I pronounce this? Listener, it's spelled Z-A-I-L-O. Just. Oh, the I comes before the L. Okay. Can I tell you guys, I actually went and had my eye exam today and they were like, girl, you can't see shit. And I have my glasses on, of course, but I did not see that. Hold on. Let me make the font on this. (laughs) Oh my, Lanta. I I was like, I know Emily is smarter than I am. I know she can read this. You're a hundred percent right. That's Zalo. Or Zalo. Can you say that a little bit louder in the mic, please? (laughs) Sarah, this is, I, I didn't, I did not read that correctly. I, God help okay. me. No wonder they were like, oh, girl, we're going to up your prescription. <laughs> you are blind. Literally. Literally. Okay. Uh, Zalo. Zalo? Zalo? Oh, my God. Zalo Z. Or Z? Why don't we just call him Z? 
No. Okay. So she had dinner with Shirley Zallow while Jason played hockey that night, which like I think is interesting. I cannot say I have ever had dinner solo with my mother-in-law or future mother-in-law. Yeah, I mean, if but maybe she wants to like pick her brain about this house about the thing, big thing and yeah. yeah. I don't think it's that weird. So after dinner, Shirley came back to the condo to like Lindsay and Jason's condo. And she will later report that she overheard the end of a phone conversation between Lindsay and the potential buyer. And Lindsay was telling the buyer that she had three houses that she was going to show them. And like, she just kind of like arranged the visit for tomorrow. And I want to point that out because Lindsay, by all accounts, Lindsay is the one that chose these three properties, right? Mm-hmm. So Shirley, you know, throughout dinner and like all of that, repeatedly offered to show the houses on Lindsay's behalf. And she later claims that it wasn't because Lindsay was uneasy or nervous. She just, you know, she felt like, well, let me do this for you. This is like a really big deal. And also because Lindsay had organized a bachelorette party for a friend taking place like in a different city for that night when the client wanted to meet. And, you know, Shirley was like, oh, like, don't miss a bachelorette party. Like, let me do this for you. But, you know, Lindsay was insistent. She's like, no, like, I'm doing this. I'm going to close this deal. Mm -hmm. Right. So that night, Jason comes home from playing hockey and smells disgusting, I'm sure. (laughs) And he and Lindsay discuss the showing. And Jason describes Lindsay as nervous but not frightened. Mm -hmm. Which, like, tracks. That tracks. Okay. So... Sometime the next morning on February 2nd, the client phoned Lindsay and Jason at home. So she was, didn't use that hurt Lindsay's cell phone number. She phoned her at home. Jason answered the phone and told the caller that Lindsay was out and asked if the woman wanted Lindsay's cell phone number, which the woman was like, oh, I already have it. Like, you know, I don't need it. And like hung up. Jason will later describe the caller as having a broken Spanish accent. So again, that kind of... This is now the second person saying the mm-hmm. caller had a, a Sp- Hispanic accent of some sort. So, mm-hmm. um, again, reports will later will show that Lindsay again con- like got in contact with the client later that day, confirmed again that she had houses picked out for them, and asked the client to meet her at a house in Gordon Head, which is like a very nice neighborhood. It was a relatively new development. Mm-hmm. No one was currently living in the house at the time. Um, and so she gave him the address and asked them to meet her there. So around 2 p.m. that day, Lindsay was at the Remax office preparing for her like big showings, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where we get these like differing accounts. According to two receptionists that were working there that day, Lindsay was, quote, freaked out, end quote, and asked Mm -hmm. the receptionist to search the caller's name and phone number in the company database. Um, And the receptionists weren't able to find any information on these people based on that. Mm -hmm. Like, no records of them owning property, no records of them using Remax in the past, like nothing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So another colleague, Cal, who, Cal, I have some questions for you my guy also talked to Lindsay that day mm-hmm. and cal was a former police officer and he said that you know he overheard Lindsay telling the story to the receptionist saying how freaked out she was and offered to accompany her to the house but you know Lindsay told him like oh don't worry my boyfriend jason is gonna come mm-hmm. and like i just want to pause there and be like my guy you're a real estate agent and a former cop and supposedly your young female colleague is like, um, I feel really weird about this showing I have tonight. And you're just like, Meh. yeah, well, even like, like, I'm surprised that for someone so new, they don't have like a, uh, um, like mentor, like how was she even allowed to do that? It just seems right. like, how come there's no setup for like, why are they letting this brand new real estate agent, female or not, like go out on her own to do this. Like there's no training period. I don't know. It just seems a little weird. Right. Well, and like, I wonder too, like how, and I guess because like this would be a lot of like resources, but how come real estate agents don't show houses in pairs? 
theoretically, I mean, it's commission bait. I mean, like, how would you? I don't know, but like, think about it, right? You're in a house alone with yeah. strangers. Well, uh, theoretically, you their bought their buying agent would be with them, or like, the you selling, can't just, or if you're the buyer agent, the seller agent, the seller agent. You can't just go like that's to not, a house. That's not true. When we were looking at but houses, there has to we be a lockbox with the key and yeah, like all that stuff. Like that's still, all done through the realty realty but, company. But you're still alone in a house with strangers. I don't know. Seems I don't. Know. Anyways, yeah, it's a weird setup for sure. So Lindsay's at the office for an hour, and then around 3 p.m. she meets Jason for a quick lunch. And That's Jason, a great lunch girl. Okay, I okay. <laughs> I had the same thought. I'm like, I'm eating pre dinner. That's 3 like, yeah, girl, Lindsay, That's too late. That's too late. Um, and Jason tells her at that time that he's going to meet his friend Cohen Oatman um, to play hockey together that night and like get some beers and hang out. So. Lindsay leaves the lunch around four. She goes home to change. And sometimes around sometime around 5 p.m., Lindsay calls Jason and asks him to come by the Gordon Head house just to be safe. Like she was like, eh, just, you know, just in case. Right. Mm-hmm. Jason is with his buddy Cohen at this point, but they head over there together. Right. So the house that Lindsay was planning to show was so new. Like I mentioned that Jason was having a hard time locating the address on his GPS. Mm. So around 5 30 PM, which remember that's when the, the showing was scheduled for Jason called Lindsay for directions. Um, Lindsay was about to provide them when the client showed up and she said, quote, Oh, I have to go. They're here. End quote. Um, and then before she hung up, Jason was like, okay, girl, no problem. Can you text me the directions? Like, I don't know where the hell I'm going. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they get off the phone a little before 5.30 p.m. At the same time, multiple eyewitnesses in the neighborhood say that they saw Lindsay shaking hands with a couple. The man was tall with dark hair and a long jacket. And the woman had short blonde hair and wore like this very distinctive black and red dress. Like, this was clearly a wealthy couple, an extremely well-dressed couple, right? Like, all of a mm-hmm. sudden, up and up. So, witnesses have Lindsay letting them inside the house a little after 5.30 p.m., and the showing begins. And so, again, Cohen and Jason are in route at this point, right? But the mm-hmm. showing has begun. Just 11 minutes later... At 5.41 p.m., Lindsay's phone pocket dials a friend that Lindsay was not in regular contact with, which resulted in, like, this weird muffled voicemail message before the phone Hmm. cut out, which, uh, I mean, you'll see here in a minute, is just, like, extremely chilling. Mm -hmm. Um, Around this time, so, again, this is, like, 5.45-ish, a little later, um, Jason... Jason and Cohen drive up to the house, right? And Jason thought maybe the showing had just begun because he saw a man walking, like standing in the entryway, but walking towards the back of the house, right? Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, Jason was trying to be like respectful of Lindsay, right? Like he didn't want to just like go in there and like, oh, I'm here, blah, 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 right? So he was like, well, I'm going to like just like park down the street and just be here if she needs anything. So that's what he does. He mm-hmm. turns around in the driveway and goes to park a short distance away. So Jason says he sees no movement inside the house. Um, and he texts Lindsay asking if she's okay. And she doesn't respond. After a few more minutes, he repositions his car to be closer to the house and tries to call her again, which she doesn't answer. Hmm. So around 6 p.m. So, you know, 15 minutes kind of after he got there. Um. Still no response from Lindsay. Jason and Cohen get out of the vehicle and walk up to the front door of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, the front door was locked, which which Jason will later say immediately sent up red flags for him. Like, mm-hmm. you don't do that when you're showing a house. You never lock the front door. Mm-hmm. So Jason rings the doorbell repeatedly. No one answers. He then tried to page the listing agent, right, the selling agent. Mm-hmm. Um couldn't get a hold of him or her. He called his mother to get the listing agent's cell phone number. Um, and he gets a hold of, I don't know if it's a man or a woman, um, but gets a hold of him or her 
at that point and the listing agent gives him the code for the garage. Mm -hmm. Um, But he tries the code and it doesn't work. Okay. Mm -hmm. So at 6.05 PM, Jason dials 911 explaining the situation and adding that he had, you know, followed Lindsay to the house because she was quote, kind of scared end quote. Around the same time, our guy Cohen, the little fucking Spider-Man over here, scales the fence to the backyard and finds a door unlocked and open. Which, mm-hmm. like, get you a friend like Cohen, girl. Yeah, right. I don't think I'd scale a fence on your behalf. No offense. Well, okay. Well, good to could know. You, could you scale a fence on my behalf? Yes. Oh. I can't even believe you're oh. asking me that. <laughs> oh, I'm almost offended. Okay. So um, Cohen enters the house from the back door and goes to unlock the front door for Jason, who I guess doesn't want to scale the fence. (laughs) Okay. So they split up and Cohen searches the first floor and Jason heads upstairs. Uh, Jason is only about halfway up the stairs when he sees Lindsay's body slumped against the primary bedroom wall. She'd Mm. been stabbed multiple times in the abdomen and neck. Um, there was no defensive wounds and she had not been sexually assaulted. Um, Cohen calls 911 again. And when the police arrive on the scene, uh, Lindsay is pronounced dead. Mm. So I want to stop there and ask you to weigh in on all of that, that chain of events. Anything about that chain of events stick out to you is maybe a little suspicious. I just, I think the whole like listing agent not being there thing is just weird. Especially mm-hmm. on these like really expensive homes, like there's just so much protocol that doesn't seem to be happening, right? That like I have big questions about that. Like I don't know. Yeah, so that sticks out to you, kind of like that right definitely away. sticks out to me because like also how would like a buyer agent know like to point out all the features of the home? Like right, the buyer agent should be touring the home. Just as much as like, yes. the buyers are. Right. Right? Yeah. That just seems very odd to me. So that feels weird. I think it's – I don't know if it's weird or not that Jason, like, didn't take action sooner. Hmm. But I don't think he was involved. That's so interesting. I think it's weird that he took action so soon. I mean, if he knew that she was, like – a little nervous about it. Yeah, but he's scaling the fence and calling 911 15 minutes after not hearing from her. I thought it was like an hour. 30 no. minutes after not hearing from her. No, so he so at fi- a little a little before so 530, 5:30 he talks to her. Mhm. He pulls up there after around 5:45 and he sees the man walking in the house. So and 15 then, minutes. Yeah, and then by 6:05 he's calling 911. Yeah. I think that's quick. I don't. Okay. All right. Yeah, well. I think that I think I mean, I think that makes sense. I could see where it could be suspicious, but I no. I don't think that's that weird. Okay. Well, the cops disagree with you because immediately <laughs> our guys, Jason and Cohen, are brought into custody. They were questioned for hours. They both agreed to take polygraph tests, which they passed. Um, Jason turned over his phone, his computer to investigators. Um, like full compliance here, right? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, at the crime scene, police found practically zero forensic evidence. There were bloody footprints leading from Lindsay's body to the back door, but no DNA was found at the scene. The murder weapon was also not found. Okay. Hmm. So this is where it gets like a little, little interesting. So the day after the murder, police obtained some initial data from Lindsay's BlackBerry, including the caller 778 phone number. Um, the police learned that this was a prepaid phone purchased in late 2007, so a couple months before Lindsay's death, um, from a convenience store and was activated online two days before her murder. So, like, it was activated to make that first phone call, basically, Mm -hmm. right? So, 
the person who activated the phone was apparently <laughs> this is tell me this is not the fakest name you've ever heard <laughs> uh paulo rodriguez yeah <laughs> the police immediately were like girl no that's not that's not real it's not a real name so police went to the convenience store where the phone was purchased, but by then the surveillance fo- footage showing the sale was just gone because fucking, of course it was. Of course it was. Guys, can we keep surveillance footage, please? Can we store it on the on the iCloud? The I, like, what are we well, doing? It was purchased in two thousand seven, though, and not used till two thousand eight. It was, but it was purchased in December of two thousand seven. This murder happened in February of two thousand eight. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I mean, keep it. Keep the surveillance footage forever. Keep it. We got the cloud these days, guys. Store it up there. I don't even know how that cloud works. But, like, right? So, because the phone was used exclusively to contact Lindsay, like, literally no other calls were placed on this, the police called it the crime phone, which, like, okay, we have not been more creative than that. The bat phone. The bat phone. And they say that the purpose of this phone was to lure Lindsay to her death. Yeah. Um. And, you know, the police go on to say, like, they think that whoever did this was using other burner phones potentially to, con- you know, to talk to each other. Because clearly they weren't using this one phone that had called Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I think is interesting is what the police did was they mapped out every time the burner phone was used to contact Lindsay. Police obtained cell phone tower information that showed all the other cell phones in the area at that time which i was like all right okay that's actually brilliant that's some great right because their theory is that like well they had to have had other phones for sure right mm-hmm. i was like okay yeah that's actually smarter than i would have given them credit for yeah me too <laughs> so but unfortunately from there the case goes cold Dang. so I'm going to run us through now three theories. Okay. And obviously, you know, at the end, we're going to take a side on these. Yes. So here's here's the three most common theories. Theory number one, our girl Shirley did it. Okay. So this theory is driven really strongly by Lindsay Buziak's father, Jeff, um, who... It could be, we could have a whole podcast episode about him. Mm. Jeff needs to sit down and drink some water. I'm sorry to say it. He has been sued multiple times by multiple people involved in this case because he's out oh, there like wow. slandering people. Oh. And he's, yeah. I Jeff, mean, he's grieving, but also that's relaxed. I know, but Jeff, drink some water, girl. Um, Yeah, which also, Jeff, God, don't sue us. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. Jeff, <laughs> I'm sorry you're grieving, but also chill some self-care um so (laughs) so you know jeff is is like the driver of this theory so in just telling jason's mom shirley was a quote controlling and overbearing end quote present in Lindsay and jason's relationship and he the the way he describes this is you know they were living in a in a condo that shirley owned and he's like see how possessive she is that she they were living in a property she owned um and they also and i think this is interesting they also had a connection to the cul-de-sac where um the house where Lindsay was murdered was in so DeSousa Court, which is a street the house was on, is named after developer Joe DeSousa, a friend and business associate of Shirley. Um, and part of the cul-de-sac was still under construction at the time of the murder. And DeSousa himself was at the location an hour before the murder, supervising construction work. So basically, Shirley's friend, right, owned that development and was there an hour before the murder that's kind of his jeff's theory here maybe it was DeSousa who did it on shirley's like you know bequest like yada yada and like jeff's whole theory is that shirley killed Lindsay as a way to take out to take her out since she was like a rival real estate agent or to potentially like protect jason from Lindsay. like maybe she didn't approve of Lindsay, and so like we have to take her out. So here's another thing. I didn't even put it in here because like is this has been debunked so much, but Jeff, again, Lindsay's father, mm-hmm. started this whole theory. And you'll see this sometimes in case in like podcasts that cover this case, that Lindsay, who she had breast augmentation paid for by 
Jason. So by Jason slash Shirley, which again, like, I don't really know the connection there besides just that, like, Jason was wealthy because his family was wealthy. And Lindsay's body had multiple, like, upwards of 40 stab wounds to her breasts. And so Jeff was like, see, it's Shirley because she paid for her implants. And like, not only is that ridiculous, but it's also been completely debunked. Um, Lindsay had nine stab wounds, not 40 plus stab wounds. And like, so again, Jeff, I'm really sorry that you're going through this. This is horrible, but like, don't do this. This ain't it. This ain't it, girl. This ain't it. I'm really sorry for you that you're going through all this, but. Yeah. Disain it. And also, like, now I have more questions because, like, if it's true that this real estate company or that the construction company mm-hmm. had a tie, like, that's a huge conflict of interest, no? Oh, I think that happens all the time. Don't you? I don't I don't know that it would happen all the time, but it feels I mean, you very know, you know a little bit more about, like, the construction real estate business than I do, but. I mean, like. And again, you know, I don't know, like if they have, but, but then I keep going back to like the listing agent would right. be the company who has this connection with the developer. Right. So why wasn't so there a listing agent common, there? But, but right. Like, again, like where is their representation? Right. That just, it, I don't understand that. What do you think about this Shirley theory off the bat? Uh, it's ridiculous. I don't think she had anything to do. She, Lindsay wasn't a rival realtor. She was That's exactly. new. <laughs> yes. What? Yes. So, and I will say right here. So here, the police have stated multiple, multiple times that no one in the Zalo family is a suspect and never was. Yeah. So. yeah I, I'm really sorry, Jeff, but this ain't it. Okay. So theory number two, Jason did it. So let's build off the Shirley did it theory. Um, and we've got Jason did it. So Jason was the one to find the body, which like immediately makes you a suspect, right? Think mm-hmm. Alonzo Sellers in that Heyman Lee case, right? Mm-hmm. Immediately it's like, okay, what's going on here? And there were also reports from Lindsay's friends that she was thinking of breaking up with Jason. And even though he's been officially cleared by police, there is still a cloud of suspicion around him today. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on that? I don't think he did it. Okay. Why? I think he's probably a, maybe like a little bit of a bozo, but I don't think he did it. Like he wouldn't be so involved if he did it. Which is involved, no involved in like finding the body and finding the body and like getting in touch with so many people trying to get in the house. Like hmm. he tried, he, I mean, he tried to get a hold of or got a hold of multiple different people. Yes. That's a good point. It's almost like you can feel the panic in that. Right. Like you can yes. feel him escalating. Like yes, he gets her at five thirty. He initially waits fifteen minutes. Then he's waiting five ten minutes. Then he's waiting yes. five minutes. Then he right. Like you can kind of feel the escalation of that. And I just don't think someone like number one. There's enough to. Wh- when would he have committed the crime? Right. Well, there Je- again, Jeff um, Buziak. Jeff has some suspicions that him and Cohen did it together. But again, like there's too much tying the two of them to yes. a specific timeline that like it doesn't give them enough time. Yeah. I will say the one thing that I think lends itself to this theory is stabbing is, of course, an incredibly personal mm-hmm. way to kill someone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause. But so I- I'm with you. I don't think either of those two theories hold much water for me. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to, this is like, this makes me so sad. So Shirley was quoted in like an interview she gave to a publication. She said, quote, it's like a movie I watched, but I can't seem to get out of it. But unfortunately, we're in it. We are the characters, end quote. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, her family has lived under this cloud of suspicion for 15 plus years. Yeah, that's tough. And like I mentioned, she goes on to sue, Shirley goes on to sue Jeff Buziak. I don't blame her. For defamation, like all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I would too. Ugly. So here's the third and final theory, which sounds crazy, but like I kind of think this might be what happened, girl. So eventually the police kind of settle on this idea that Lindsay had been either falsely or correctly identified as a person who informed on a drug operation. 
Oh my god. Okay. So here's how they piece this together. So Lindsay goes to visit her father in Calgary in December of 2007. Now mm-hmm. remember, this is around the same time the burner phone was purchased. A few weeks after her visit, near the end of January 2008, Calgary police raided a home in the northwest part of the city, uh, kicking off a year-long investigation dubbed Operation High Noon. (laughs) I love a good high noon. I know you do, girl. And (laughs) that investigation led to the seizure of 80 kilograms of cocaine worth $8 million. (laughs) So this ends up being... quickly. Just very quickly. This ends up being like the largest cocaine bust in Alberta's history. It's like, wow. Okay. So... This is where, like, it gets, like, a little complicated. But after returning home from her Calgary trip, but before the raid had happened, Lindsay visited the Facebook page of a relative of someone involved in the drug operation. Okay. So the connection there is she visited the Facebook page of – so she has – her ex-boyfriend had – the ex-boyfriend was the relative and he was connected to someone else – who ends up being involved in the drug operation. Do you see the connection there? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, okay. I don't want to name the person because I don't, for obvious reasons, I don't want to be right. Yeah. No, murdered. That's so um, I'm not going to name, I'm not going to name this individual. Um, but Lindsay visits that person's Facebook page and tried to con- like contact that person by phone, which like is weird. Right. So not the ex-boyfriend, but the relative of the The ex-boyfriend who was involved. Okay. Yes. So police said that they don't know the nature of the call. They don't know why she called him. And they don't know why she was on his Facebook site. Did they call him? Did they contact this person? They have not been able to get in contact with this individual. Um, This this individual, um, and this is what I think is interesting. This individual has a sister who is kind of his, like, cohort in crime, I guess. And the two of them were, (laughs) shortly after this, deported back to America. Thank you very much. They have not been able to, like, be in contact with these people. So the theory is that maybe Lindsay was, number one, like, she was a drug informant, right? Maybe when she like went to see her father in Calgary, she stumbled upon something from this friend of a friend, reported it to the police. The police raided the house and then the drug operation were like, okay, like someone's going down for this, right? Mm-hmm. What I think is probably more likely is that Lindsay was falsely identified as a as a person who informed, right? Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, right, this drug bust happens and the big bosses are like, again, someone has to go down for this and someone serves up Lindsay Buziak's name. Hmm. So I find this compelling because this seems like an ordered hit to me. Like these were professionals, like no matter who did this and why, these were professionals. They were in and out in 11 minutes. Like, never to be seen again. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one thing that gives me pause is it would be unusual for, like, a criminal operation like this to use a knife for a hit. It feels like a lot of work. Like, just, like, drive-by or something. Like, it just yeah. feels like a lot of, like, setup. Yeah. For this to be that. I mean, out of the three theories, like, I... Okay, so you I don't, don't like love, any you of don't them. love this one either. <laughs> no, because I, th- I think it's kind of far fetched. Okay, so what do you, so tell me then, take a side. What do you think happened? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, let's start. I'm do not even th- convinced that it was like a man and a woman that did this. Tell me why. I think I could be convinced that it was like two men. But remember, the witnesses saw a woman enter the house. They saw a person with a dress on and short hair. My God, could you imagine you're part of like this criminal operation and they're like, all right, your assignment is to wear a dress. Damn it. (laughs) Like, I don't even, I don't know. I mean, I'm not like. Why do you think a woman couldn't be involved? Oh, I think a woman absolutely could be involved, but like, 
there's so much unknown, it feels like. Yeah. So let's, do you think the call is related to this? Mm, like the Facebook call? No, no, no. The um, stranger calls and says, I want you to show me a million dollar house. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 Like it, it was a setup. I just don't know who or why. But here's what I think is interesting. It was a setup, but these killers had so much confidence. They let Lindsay choose the location. That's what I find fascinating. Think right. about that, right? Like they weren't like, I want to go see this house. Lindsay picked these listings for them. Like, I don't know. I think about that all like, like the confidence to carry out a crime like that in a location yeah. that's unfamiliar to you. Yeah. That to me speaks that's that you're a, profe- you're a professional. Yeah, it's ballsy. And you're in and out in 11 minutes. Yeah, I like how did they get out the back door without they the police think that they climbed through like a hole in the fence. And then just yeah, I don't I, but you know? like, the, like I don't know what's the why, like why. Yeah. I don't know. But it's I don't not, think like, any super, of those like, uns- are... like unsatisfying. Yeah, it is. And I guess we should say like obviously disclaimer like all peoples are innocent until proven guilty. And Jeff, I'm sorry. Girl, I'm really sorry, but like take a deep breath. Um, yeah, I, I think theory number three is the most likely given what we know, mm-hmm. but I think your point is a good one that like, that's a lot to go through to Isn't carry it? out a hit. It just feels like a lot of work for like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Although I did just have the thought, not to get political here, just, I guess Canada, people probably don't carry guns in Canada the way they do here in America, right? Sure they do. I don't, I think they have stricter gun laws. A criminal will get a gun no matter what. Well, I'm just thinking like, like to us, it's like, oh, a drive-by shooting. That would be like almost kind of normal, but like, it's not fair. I don't know. I mean, uh, I wouldn't give criminals that much forethought. Like, yeah, yeah. Because in their mind, they just need it done. Laws be done. They're already breaking a law. I'm mean, pretty yeah. sure, like, that's the least of their worries. I don't know, though. This, I think I think your point is a good one that, like, this is a lot. This is it's quite just a this, lot. the setup. <laughs> yeah, like, it's... And I guess I should say for the record, like, no evidence has ever been found that Lindsay truly was a drug informant. Like... Yeah. That has never come to light. So I think if anything, it's that they mistake mistook her for one. Yeah. So I don't know. What do you like, what do you think? I think this was a professional hit of some kind. Whether it's this like drug operation or I mean, do I think there's a world in which Jason and maybe his mom ordered a hit on her. God, I don't know. I mean, that's only that's the only other thing I can think of, though, because these were professionals. Like this was not a random occurrence. This was not a crime of opportunity. These people for months were planning to do this. Mm -hmm. So someone ordered that to be done. Yeah, and I guess we just don't have enough information of who would have motive to do that. Besides, maybe this drug operation thing. And again, I guess there exists a world in which, like, this powerful family would be like, "Oh, let's just order a hit." But again, I'm like, what? Like, you know, her and Jason weren't married, so it's not yeah. like Jason couldn't have just been like, "All right, bye," or you know, if he didn't want to be with her anymore. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I know it's very unsatisfying. It's unsatisfying. But I might have to like do some research. There's um some fantastic podcasts about this case. Oh, okay. um, I will link them in the show notes because of course I'm drawing a blank. There was a podcast that was like almost like serial that did this case for like 12 plus episodes. Ooh. Um, and it was very interesting. So um, okay, there's lots of good stuff online too. Um, and yeah, like I said, this case is currently unsolved. So if you have any information, um, you know, please make sure it gets it gets to the right place. Yeah. But, yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. And that's Sisters Take Aside. <laughs> Good. 
Good job, Em. <sighs> Do you still think you haven't heard of this case? I think now that, like, we've gone through it, I think I have. I just yeah. don't, like, at this point, I've listened to so many. I know. I know. Well, um, but well yeah. thanks for walking through that with me. I yeah, hope you guys that was good. found that interesting as well. Um, I'm going to have to side Google a little bit because now I'm like, what happened? I know. It's really unsatisfying. It's unsatisfying. Isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, if people want to write in and tell us how unsatisfying it is, how can they do that? Um, they can send us an email at sisters.take.a.side at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Instagram at sisterstakeaside underscore podcast. Correct. And Sarah, what are you bringing to our ear holes next week? Oh, I don't know. Um, that's a great question. I am going to have to give it some thought, but okay, I have a couple well, different ideas brewing. We will we'll be on the edge of our seats. I think I told you I'm working on like a series on OJ Simpson. Yeah, it would definitely be like multiple parts. But I was kind of this is <laughs> I'm like working on it, and I'm like. Is there really a side to take on this guy, though? This guy fucking sucks. No, like, but it's, like, fun to rant about him. Because he's yeah. just a dirtbag. He sucks. Like, he sucks. Just, he sucks in a plethora of ways. Um, well, so, yeah, that's maybe I coming could, at some point. I could set you up, um, and we could do Aaron Hernandez next week. You know I'm a I sucker know. for Aaron. Yeah, Aaron Hernandez is really your guy. That's actually, well, you know, okay. okay, let's walk that back a little. <laughs> I have, you know, Aaron Hernandez, I actually find, like, fascinating. I, fascinating, yes. I also deeply sympathize with him in a way that, Me like, too. I'm not sure is appropriate given that, like, I am Me pretty too. sure he did what they said he did. But, like, yeah. I feel deeply sorry for Me him too. and his family. He, his is yeah. one where I am super conflicted on. You know, it's him and the Menendez brothers for me. Yes! Yeah. Me too. Like, I just can't listen to those stories without being like, oh. Because it's hard. Like, because, like, does anything ever justify what they did? No. But, no. like, there's no space for nuance in the law. And yeah. I think that's where we get, like, caught up. Because there's a lot yeah. of nuance in both of those. Well, and just the way that, like, Aaron Hernandez's story ends, it's just so heartbreaking to me. I'm just like, that. Ugh. Anyway, okay. Well. Now you might have to next week. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of what I'm thinking for next week. Okay. There's lots of documentaries on him. His brother was just in the news, like, within the last couple months. Oh, no. For what? Being absolute fucking garbage like he always oh, is. no. His brother is garbage, dude. Mm-mm. Ugh. Anyway. I mean, okay, great. Well, that'll be a bummer. <laughs> All right, Sarah. Well, All right, Em. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks. Yeah. I love coming um, in cold. I know. I think it's kind of fun that we do that. I do, too. Hmm. All right, guys. Well, we love you. Um, yeah, we love a rating guys. review. Shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, and we'll be back next week. Love ya. Bye.